Interwomack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Karis Bible College Campus Days. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. This is Barry Bennett. Good morning. I know right about now most of you are feeling sorry for us that we have to, to talk about God in a place like this. But we're making do. We're blessed. Praise God. What, a, what an atmosphere. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Good looking group. I am the Dean of Students, so I am looking for dress code violations. Uh, so if I stare at you a lot while I'm preaching, you'll know. All right. Praise God. Well, man, Andrew got us off to a good start. And uh, praise the Lord, he didn't touch too much of my message. So we're all on pretty much the same theme, discovering the Word of God. And so I want to continue on in that this morning. And I think in your books you have a, uh, uh, some outline material and blank pages to take notes and things. And I think uh, there's a page for me, a page for each one of the teachers that will be up here. So if you want to take some notes, you do have that potential there. Amen. So we are going to talk about this morning, I'm going to pull my message out of John chapter 17, if you want to turn there. John 17. And I just found three things here that I thought were of great value, important things, that I want to share with you about the Word of God. How many have been transformed by the Word? How many are being transformed by the Word? Amen. I was thinking, you know, I'm addicted to the Word. I've been addicted for 41 years and I don't need an intervention. Yeah. I plan to be an addict the rest of my life. Praise God. John 17, if you're not familiar with it, is Jesus' prayer before he's arrested and taken away to be tried and crucified. And he's praying and he's in this obviously intimate relationship with the Father. He says in chapter 5 that he only can do what he sees the Father doing. He only speaks what he hears from the Father. He's completely dependent upon this relationship with the Father. And, and we know from other verses that he came to do the Father's will. We know that he came to fulfill the law. We know that he came to demonstrate the kingdom. We know he came to destroy the works of the enemy. And there are many different aspects of, of his mission that we could look at. But in this prayer, he is rehearsing to the Father what's taken place, what he's done. And if you'll go down with me, verse 8, John 17, 8, he says, For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them. And then if you'll go down again to verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I was, you know, as I think about this, he says, I have given them your words, I have given them your word. And I thought, well, you know, Jesus did not pass out pocket New Testaments, yet he was with them for three and a half years, and he was manifesting the word of God. We know that he was the word made flesh, amen? He was manifesting the word of God in everything that he said and everything that he did, he demonstrated the word of God by healing the sick, by casting out demons, 
by dominating nature, he was revealing God's word. So that when he could say, I have given them your word, he wasn't talking about paper and printing, but he was talking about, I have lived as an expression of my nature. I am the word made flesh. This is your word. And I have given this to them. They have seen, they have been with me for three and a half years. They have heard everything I've said. They've watched every miracle. They've walked with me. They've talked with me. They've seen incredible multiplication of loaves and fishes, of dominating the weather. I've given them your word. And so as I was reading through John 17, I realized, you know, I've found three different areas. Three things I want to point out to you this morning. The first is the gift of the word that God has given us a gift. And the first part of that gift is the fact that Jesus is the revelation of the word of God. He is the manifestation of the word of God. And he, he has imparted that to us in the sense that if we want to understand the Father, all we need to do is look at Jesus. Amen? We have this word made flesh. If we want to know the will of the Father, all we need to do is look at Jesus. It's not good cop, bad cop. God the Father is not the bad cop and Jesus is trying to calm him down. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the 100% revelation manifestation of God. He says, I've given them your word. And I thought about this many, many years ago that it was like I was trying to imagine it. I'm not saying this was a vision. It was more of my own imagination, but of someone giving you a jewel-encrusted solid gold box And if you were to open it, the word would come out. I can't even imagine it when I imagine it. But just trying to to understand, I've given them your word. Or there is a gift that is so precious. How many of you would like to receive a gift from Jesus? Well, you, you have. He's given us his word. He's given us his word. Now, for the disciples, it was three and a half years of intense in, in training, we'll say, of witnessing all that he is, all that he said, all that he did. But it goes on, and we'll, let's go to, if you will, go to Luke 24. We're going to come back to John 17. But in Luke 24, he didn't only give us or reveal to us the word through his words and his actions and and the demonstration of the kingdom, he did even more. In Luke 24, let's see, where am I here? Verse 25. It says, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now this is post-resurrection, but he is revealing in the scriptures they had himself through the scriptures. He is expounding from the law and the prophets the revelation of Jesus in scripture. If we'll go on down to verse 30, it says, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him 
And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I love this. It says, didn't our heart burn within us when he opened to us the word? When the author began to explain that which is written and reveal himself through the law and through the prophets. And he's revealing to them Jesus in the, in the word. So we're still talking about this gift of the word, but it's not only the gift of his presence for three and a half years. It's also the gift of the revelation of him in the Old Testament. And as they, as they listen to him expounding upon the law and the prophets and how he's in there, their hearts are burning within them. Has everyone ever had this kind of a, an experience where the word just comes alive to you and you get excited and it's like all of a sudden you're about to pop because a revelation has come to you from the word of God. And they had Jesus teaching them and revealing the word. Praise God. Then we go on to verse 44. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Or in other words, before that moment, they didn't have the right understanding to understand the scriptures. And he opened their understanding. What scriptures? What scriptures is he referring to here? Okay. The Old Testament. The Old Testament. He's opening their understanding. He revealed himself through the law and the prophets, and he opens their understanding to understand the scriptures. Because there's a revelation of Jesus in the scriptures. Now, I know there is a certain group that is saying, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. I've told, had people tell me that. I don't need the Old Testament anymore. I'm a New Testament Christian. In fact, really, I'm just an epistle Christian. I don't even need the Gospels because they were, Jesus was ministering under the law, so we don't need that. We just, and I, I like most of Paul. James, you know, James, you know, he didn't have it all together. And so pretty soon, no, I'm not making this up. Pretty soon you're down to about four or five verses. And, you know, that's, your, that's what's left of your Bible. Jesus was revealing himself in the Old Testament and their minds had to be opened to get it, to see it. And they said, well, he's explaining this. Didn't our hearts burn within us? How many of you have ever heard this, the statement, oh, you're mixing the law with grace? You can't help but mix the law with grace. Let me explain. For don't, don't, I, some of you are starting to cock your hands to throw something here. You cannot help but mix the law with grace. Did you know that there are more than, oh, between 400 and 600 quotes in the New Testament from the Old Testament? They're not negative quotes. They're quotes that are revealing Jesus and revealing principles of God and principles of the kingdom. In the New Testament, Jesus obviously quotes quite frequently from the Old. In fact, he used the Old from three scriptures from Deuteronomy to defeat the devil face to face. It is written, it is written, it is written. All right, it worked for him. Paul quotes frequently from the Old Testament. In fact, the term it is written, I've counted them, I think it's 68 or 69 or 70 times it says it is written in the New Testament referring to the Old Testament. 
Many of our major doctrines are based on the revelation of the Old Testament through the grace of Jesus. We, we understand grace. If you go through the Old Testament, it's filled with grace. There's grace all through it. Jesus is all through it. The revelation of Jesus is all through it. And when you talk about between 400 and 600, and that, that number is so, such a wide gap there because many times those, those quotes are allusions to, they're not word for word. But the Old Testament is, the new is impermeated with the old. The problem isn't mixing the law with grace. The problem is when we try to mix law keeping with grace. That's the problem. We can't mix law keeping with grace. But you can't preach grace without preaching the Old Testament. So he's revealing these things. Go with me to 2 Timothy. Got real quiet in here, so evidently I... Did I say something wrong? 2 Timothy 3.16. Let's start in verse 15. It says, In that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. What Scriptures is Paul talking about? Old Testament. You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith. Anyone ever seen that before? That the old can make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You can get the gospel in the Old Testament. Now I'm still in John 17 where it says, I have given them thy word. And it wasn't just the three and a half years of manifestation of the word made flesh. It was also this revelation of Jesus in the Old Testament. And that's why the, the, the writers of the new quote so frequently from the old because that's Jesus. That's the grace message all throughout the Old Testament. So it says he, he's given us his word. Let me, let me read a couple of other scriptures here to you about this. In John 20, verses 30 and 31. John 20, 30 and 31, it says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, everybody say written. written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. These are written that you might believe. What, what has the word revealed to you about Jesus that you might believe? Even the Old Testament, Paul says, you've known the scriptures from your youth that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith. The Old Testament. And then John says in John 20, what I'm writing to you here is that you might believe. In 1 John 5.13, if you want to look at one more. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. How do you know you have eternal life? By what is written. Anybody in here? Okay. I need you to say, oh me or oh my or praise God or something. You know you are born again because it is written. Did you know your salvation rests on a promise? Roman, uh, Andrew was talking about the promises of God, Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10, that if you, what, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, well, when it starts with an if, it's conditional, is it not? If you do this and that, then 
there will be a result. You shall be saved. It's a promise. It is written. That's what you're standing on. That's why you're here today. You're believing a promise, something that was written that you might believe. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. See, when you stand for the word, you're going to run into resistance. And what we're trying to do here at school is to get you so infused with the word of God, or as I talked about, get so addicted to this, get, get so much revelation of this word that you live and breathe the word of God, that nothing that goes on in society can shake you. None of the arguments about evolution and, and all of that baloney, all of the stuff that they are trying, folks, I don't know if you realize that you're under attack. Your belief system is under attack. Your way of life is under attack. Your institutions are under attack. Marriage is under attack. They are trying to pull out the very foundations that we have, that society is built on, that God's creation is built on. They're trying to destroy this because there's godless people in the world. You need to know the word of God. And when Jesus says, I have given them thy word, this is the most precious gift you could ever have. There is no other gift that's more precious than this. Every other gift pales in comparison to the Word of God. I remember when I was in college and I first got saved, and I think the second, after I spent some time with a version that I couldn't understand, I got a, uh, a new living, was that what it was? A living New Testament, living New Testament, paperback. And I share this in school, and some of you have heard this story, but that, you know, I was during the Jesus Movement back in 1972, and... Uh, Anybody from that era? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. And I was in college at the time, and so I needed a cool Bible. And a paperback Bible wasn't cool. So I cut up some blue jeans, and I made a denim cover for my Bible. And now I'm ready to be a real Christian, man. I've got, I've got my blue jean covered paperback Bible, and I've got my yellow marker. And I went through the New Testament and everything I understood, I marked in yellow, or I thought I understood. And so I went through it one time and marked some stuff in yellow. And then I went through it again and marked some more stuff in yellow. And then I went through it again. And this is where the addiction started. I'm sorry, but I have to confess, you know, I got addicted to the word and it just kept going. And I was reading the New Testament once a month. I'd read one gospel and then the rest, Matthew and then the rest, Mark and then the rest reading through the New Testament once a month. And I did that for a number of years. I mean, I was just, I was just pouring into, into my spirit man, the word of God. Praise God, because it's a gift. And if you can get excited about that gift, this will transform you. As, as you know, Andrew was talking about, you know, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, but you're also transformed by the stirring of your spirit man. Your spirit man has been recreated, but it needs to be stirred into the reality of who it is and let loose. It's going to be let loose the more you understand by the word of God what's inside of you. Amen? Praise God. Well, let's go back to John 17. John 17, so the first thing we look at in verse 14, I have given them thy word. Then we'll jump down to verse 17. It says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 
So the first thing we talked about is the gift of the word, but the second thing I want to talk about with you is the work of the word. What is the work of the word? It says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, what does sanctify mean? Sanctify, the, the quick answer is to, me is to be set apart, but I've got some more stuff here. To separate from profane things, to consecrate, to cleanse, to purify. Sanctify them, separate them, consecrate them, purify them by your truth, your word will do it. Your word is truth. I used to teach this many years ago, back when I was in Chile, and uh, we were serving as missionaries, but I would, I would teach from this verse, the separation process that takes place as the word becomes part of us. We become separated. Remember when Andrew read a few minutes ago, 2 Peter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. We become separated from the corruption that is in the world by the promises of God. Well, the promises are in the word. To be separated, to be consecrated, to be set apart. What's the work of the word in you? Go with me to, uh, is it First or Second Thessalonians? First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, verse 13. Chapter two, verse 13 says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. It effectually works in you. When you receive the word of God, it goes to work in you. Now, I'm going to date myself, but how many of you remember the Alka-Seltzer commercials? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Very good. Oh, what a relief it is. And you drop those two tablets into a glass of water, and what happens? They start to go to work, right? The word works in you. When you receive the word of God, and many times you don't even know, it says in the parable that Andrew probably will get to, but I'll, he's not here, so I'll steal some of this. In Mark 4, 26 through 29, it says the man goes, he sows seed into the ground and he goes to bed day and night and the, the crop begins to spring forth. He knows not how. He knows not how. See, when you, when you start sowing the word of God into you, you know not how or what's going on, but it is going to work. It's fizzing in there. It's going to work. And what it's doing is that it's creating a separation. It's separating you from corruption. It's separating you from immorality. It's separating you from addictions. It's separating you from sickness. It's separating you so that you would be set apart for his particular use. So you're of no use in the sense, I mean, not, how do I balance that? You, if you're not separated, though God loves you and you're going to heaven and have no fear, okay? But if you're not set apart by the word of God, you will never fulfill your purpose. How is that going to happen? Well, he's given you a gift. He's given you spiritual Alka-Seltzer. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Get the word in you. Oh, what a relief it is. You get separated from the corruption that's in the world. Praise God. 
John 8, 31 and 32. I'm just going to give you three quick things that the word does for you. It says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What's the opposite of that? I always like to ask myself the question as I read, what's the opposite of what he just said? Well, if you don't continue in his word, you're not his disciples. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The same truth that sanctifies you, makes you free, or sets you free from the corruption that's in the world, all of the negatives, all of the the things that attack you, spirit, soul, and body, it's the word that is your buffer zone. It's the word that's going to set you apart. It's the word that's going to give you a, a purpose, a future, and a hope. It's the word that's going to go to work in your life to set you free. And we have students that come here all of the time. And they, they, most of, a lot of students come with a lot of baggage. Right? Some of them come with just a carry-on. But, but everybody's got something. All right? And they sit under the word... No laughter in the front row, please. (laughs) They sit under the word, and the word goes to work. And it's funny, they they come usually within the first two weeks, and I need counseling for this, and I need counseling for that, and I need counseling for this, and I need counseling for that. And typically, my response and some of the other instructors' response is just wait, just be patient. Because most of us, when we get born again, we're like a glass of dirty water. And you can't pick the dirt out, it's dissolved into the water. So you put the water under a fountain or under a a faucet and you turn on clean water, amen? And what happens? What happens from a dean's perspective is that stuff starts to come out, all right? Stuff starts to come out, but clean water is going in. And pretty soon, within a few months or maybe by the end of your second year or sometimes in the middle of your third year, the water's Water's all clean now. The stuff's all gone. Amen? Because the word has been at work. It's not that we don't want to counsel you, but sometimes let's just give the word a chance. Let's give the word a chance. If you get addicted to the word, then it's going to start to go to work. It's going to separate you. The truth will set you free. Second thing, it is spirit and life. Jesus says in John 6:63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is spirit and life that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, when you're dragging around, sometimes, I don't know if anybody ever runs out of gas around here, but sometimes I run out of gas, and then I realize, okay, I'm, I'm in this situation because I'm lacking some word time. I'm giving, 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 giving. I need some, some receiving. And so all of us go through that. You can't live by bread alone and you can't live by yesterday's revelation. You need a fresh word. You need fresh manna every day. We need to be in the presence of God daily. And see, I've been in this, Andrew's got me beat by a few years, but I've been in this for 41 years. And every time I open the scripture, stuff jumps off the page and it's like life to me. It's always fresh, it's always new, and I'm thinking, man, there's a message there, and there's a, I'm a teacher, so I always see messages, I see outlines, you know, it's just the way God has wired me. But I get blessed by that. that, that keeps me going. It's spirit, it's life. 
to your flesh. We could go on, we could add so many things. It's health to your body. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, the word is health to your flesh. Praise God. Third one here, it's a source of faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith does what? Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you know when you've heard God? A lot of you are praying about whether you should come here. How do you know when you've heard God? It's very easy. When faith is born, you've heard God. Faith comes by hearing. When you hear God, faith will be born. How are you gonna hear God? You need to be in the word. You need to be in a place of prayer. You need to be praying in the spirit, but you need to be in the word. You need to be reading the word because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Your spirit, man, at some point, as you're in the word, as you're going through it, as you're marking it with yellow or whatever you're doing, writing stuff down. But if you stick with it, it's more, listen, it's more important than American Idol. It's more important than The Bachelor, ladies. It's more important than all the other stuff that we do that we think is important. That's not important. If you're wanting your life to have purpose and to be transformed, get into the Word of God. It's life. If you're not having a whole bunch of life, get into the Word. It's life. It'll set you free, and it will give birth to faith. And that's the, that's the most exciting thing, is when I know I've heard from God is when all of a sudden... That which looked impossible, that which looked like obstacles, that that which I did not want to do, all of a sudden I get a word from God and pow, look out. I want to do it now. Nothing can stop me. Those mountains are now made low. Those low places are now made high because I've heard a word from God. How does that happen? It happens because I spend hours in this daily Daily. Some of you follow me on Facebook. I have a, a public figure Facebook page. And if you feel free to, to follow me on that. I write posts. That's one of the ways I get into the Word. I think of something, I get inspired, or I have a question, so I study it out and I write. And when I write it, I post it. That's part of the way I stay in the Word. I'm constantly in the Word. This has given me a blessed life. You know, Andrew was talking a minute ago, and I forget exactly how he was saying it because I started taking it and and recreating it in my head for me, but I have not planned out my future. I've been in the Word, and my future kind of fell in my lap. Good things overtook me. I didn't plan all of this. I had a word to come to Colorado and join myself to the ministry here, but I didn't plan this I did not plan it. It happened. But it didn't happen because I was a tumbleweed blowing down the road. It happened because I was a tree planted by rivers of water. I have a root that goes deep. And it can happen for you. But it's not about planning things in the future. It's about going down deep into the Word of God. God will give your tree growth if you'll just give Him the time, the root, of, of being in the word. So it is the truth that sets you free. It is spirit and life, and it's the source of faith. Praise God. All right, let's go back to, to John 17. Anybody getting blessed? John 17. So we've talked about the gift of the word. We've talked about the work of the word. Now let's go to John 17, 20. 
It says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So let's call this the mission of the word. What's the mission of the word? I came up with a little thought today. I wrote it down. Let the word work in you. Put the word to work for you. Let the word work in you and then put the word to work for you. The word has a mission. It doesn't stop at you. It should be going through you to others. The mission of the word. He's praying for those who will believe on, uh, in him through the word of the disciples who, to whom he has given his word. Or in other words, we are seed carriers. We are seed sowers. We are ambassadors of this word, of this message, of this life. And as it changes you, then you're able to start giving life forth to others. God has a, a purpose for your life. I know we say that a lot, but man, that's one of my major themes. One of my major life messages is discovering your purpose. Because it's your purpose that's going to open the doors of your circumstances. I'm not talking about discovering your circumstances. Discover your purpose. What is the word doing in you that's unique to you that no one else has that but you? And you discover that and you water that with the word and you water that with prayer and you're in the word day and night, you're meditating on these things, your tree is going to produce fruit. People are going to come and eat from your tree because you're a word person. You can tell how, how much you've grown in the Lord by how many people come to eat from your tree. You know, and if your tree is, no one's coming to eat from your tree yet, go deeper. Go deeper. Get into the word. The word has a mission not only in you, but through you to others. What's the mission of the word? Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach the word, be instant, or get the word out. You know, I had a, I, the other, a few months ago, I guess it was, I was thinking, and I'm not saying this to, I'm not, as we say in Chile, I'm not throwing flowers at myself here, but I'm getting many opportunities and many invitations. And, I, and it always boggles my mind, why would anybody invite me to their church or their whatever, Bible school? Because I'm, I'm still, I still remember who I used to be. Sometimes I get caught in that trap. And I realized that the Lord spoke to my heart and he says, don't look down or don't remember or don't go back to that because I've made you something. I've made you something and you are a carrier of my word. And you're going to infect people with my word. You're, we are seed carriers. And I realized that the more we go, the more we travel, the more we share, the more we, we spend time with people, the more I write, what's happening is that the word is going out. Man, can you imagine if all of us decided to fill the atmosphere with his word? As you drive, fill your car with his word. As you walk down the sidewalk, fill the air with his word. As, you, as you're in your home, fill the atmosphere with the word. As you're in public, speak the word, pray in the spirit. If the body of Christ would release more of God's word into the atmosphere, can you imagine the change? 
that would take place. We're filled, as Andrew was talking about, we're hearing on the news all of the, the 10 spies. They're filling the atmosphere with their word. And we're letting that impact us and change us and minimize what we think we can do. But if we would fill the atmosphere with God's word, I have given them your word. Sanctify them, separate them from the corruption that's in the world by your word. Let it work effectually in them to separate them so they can have a purpose. And then as they are healed and delivered and transformed, they're going to take that word out and begin to speak it in their own unique way. Paul says, when you heard the word that we preached, you didn't receive it as the word of man. You received it as the word of God, which works effectually in you. And Paul had an accent and Paul had an education level and Paul was Paul and I'm me and Andrew is Andrew and Gary is Gary and Greg is Greg and Paul Milligan is Paul Milligan and all of us have a different background and formation but we're speaking words of God. And as different soils of hearts receive those, they're transformed. Praise God. And so yes, I believe in ministry, I believe in getting it out there. I believe in, in going above and beyond because I understand the power of words. Everything is held together by words. The word created all things. Everything is sustained by the word of God. And when we release this word, we speak it out into our environment. It's not only working in us, it's working for us. It's working for us. And we can be, you know, the word has creative power. It has restorative power. You speak over your body, your body's got to respond. It's got to respond. And, and some would say, well, I've tried that and it doesn't work. It works, you just didn't stick with it. You didn't stick with it. But if you would get a revelation of this and begin to proclaim and take authority and speak over your body, over your circumstances, over your marriage. Start sowing the seed, as Andrew was talking about. Sow seed, sow seed, sow more seed. Got a problem? Sow seed, sow more seed. Keep speaking the word of God. Because Jesus, I know I'm being repetitive here, but he says, I have given them, let's put it this way, the most powerful force in the universe. There's nothing more powerful. The atomic bomb pales in comparison to the word of God. Separate them through your truth. This power is your truth. And now I'm praying for them as they take this word out. I've given them the most precious thing I've got. It's like if I give somebody something that's precious to me and I watch it walk off down the sidewalk and think, uh, I hope they take care of it. You know, you know what I'm talking about? If you lend something to somebody, first time I ever let my wife drive my car. <laughs> we weren't married at the time. She didn't know how to drive a stick shift and I had a stick shift, so I gave her about a 30 minute lesson and then she had to go to a job interview. <sighs> you know, she made it back, praise God. He gave us his word and then he says this word has a mission and can you, can you sense the heart of God as he sees his children go out into the world with the word and he's saying, why don't they use the word? Why don't they use the word? Why are they going, they keep bumping into all these problems. Why don't they use the word? I gave them the word. Where's, put the word to work. 
Praise God. Put the word to work. Let me give you one more scripture. I've got a few minutes here. Go with me to uh, Luke 8, 15. It says, but they that on the good ground, or that on the good ground, are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. What does it mean to keep the word? In the Greek, it means to hold fast, retain, seize, take, possess. They that keep the word, is it that precious to you? See, the environment here at CBC is, is word-based. And as Andrew says and Gary, we have one textbook, the Word of God. We'll give you a syllabus with notes about each lesson, but the Word, we don't look at other people's stuff, not that there's anything wrong with that, but our focus here is the Word of God. And we're trying to give you the opportunity to put your glass under the fountain. Some people call it a fire hydrant, you know. (laughs) But to put your, the glass of your life under that fountain and let the word do its work, it will work in you. It will change you. It will transform you. And then you get to go out and pour your life into other people's cups and bring cleansing to their life too. Praise God. That's what we're all about, folks. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Man, how blessed are we to be in this place, to be in your presence, to be able to worship you with freedom, to bless your name, and then to hear your word and understand this gift that you've given us, this precious gift. We are so blessed, Father. Let us not ever take for granted what you went through in order to give us your word and how you have revealed yourself through the word. And the power, the creative power, the healing power, the restorative power that exists in this word. And Father, I just want to rededicate myself and I pray others are doing this with me now to become addicted in the good sense to the word of God and to realize that we have something at work in us and something that will work for us as we speak it, as we proclaim it, as we confess it, as we declare it as we stand on it, we have the the greatest power in the universe for changing our world, for bringing men from darkness to light, to setting the captive free. It's all going to happen through your word. And we thank you for that now, Father. And I, I pray for every heart here that is seeking you, that they would know they've heard you when faith is born and they will know what to do next. We, we receive it now. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I, uh, I never finish that early. Usually I take questions and answers, but I'm not going to do that. So uh, uh, with Gary's motivation, I uh, put together this book a couple of years ago. I guess it's been a couple, a year and a half. It's called, Did God Do This to Me? 
And where this came from, long story, I'll try to give you the condensed version, but many years ago I got, I got really uh, motivated to help people answer questions because I realized that the ministry, many churches, many pastors have the same questions that the people have and they don't have answers. And I thought one of the most effective ways to minister to people is to help answer their questions. And so then that was before I ever even moved to Colorado. Then when I came to Colorado and got involved in the ministry here, I got put into the uh, letter writing department and I, I was answering all of the questions that came into Andrew from his TV show and from his ministry and those questions and other doctrinal questions. And so I was answering 40 to 60 to 80, sometimes 100 letters a day. And uh, for two and a half years, I think I, I wrote at least uh, 20,000 emails and letters answering people's questions. And I began obviously to see a pattern of questions, that people have many of the same questions. And so when I moved over to CBC and started teaching, uh, I was given the liberty to create a few courses. And so I thought one of the best things I could think of was let's create a course about answering people's questions. So we have that in second year. And I try to go through some, some, some hairy questions. And uh, some of them are suggested answers, but uh, we do the best we can there. But I've taken, I think, I think there's 28 questions and answers in this book, some of which are in the course, some others that are in the book are not in the course. But uh, the idea here is to help you. If, if it doesn't answer your question, at least it will give you some more to work with, perhaps. And the idea, again, is to help other people because we come across people all the time that have questions about God, about the sovereignty of God, about why bad things happen. There's a lot of stuff about that in here uh, and many other questions. And so if you're interested, this is available downstairs and uh, the proceeds from this go to the missions, our missions fund. So if you wanna to bless our missions fund, you can pick up a copy of this and we'll give this to somebody. Ashley, or is Ashley here or Gary or somebody wanna, Ashley? Anybody interested in this? Okay. All right. Okay. You want to do some announcements? Hmm? Okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much this morning. Hope you're blessed. And, uh... We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.